Hi, I'm Louise Tryance, and in this RecTech showdown, I talk with Jessica Barrett of Pymetrics. Join us to find out all about her product and how it can really benefit your recruitment business. Hello and welcome to the RecTech Showdown. I am Louise Tryance from UK Recruiter and this is a series of shows we're doing um, where I chat each week with different um, businesses who have an offering in the uh, recruiting attraction, selection, retention, engagement space, just to get a bit more information about what that offering is and how recruiters can use it. And we chat through maybe some of the issues that recruiters are having um, in, in, uh, in the, uh, you know, their, their current roles. Um, before we get started, if you're watching live, pop a little hello in the sidebar um, and we can chat in there. If you're watching on Facebook, there's a link that you can come over to Crowdcast where you can chat live. And if you're watching this show after the fact, um, I'll put up um, a link to um, my guests LinkedIn page and the organisation so you can get in touch through that. One final point, I'll be turning this into a blog. So if there's anything you missed, um, you can watch it live again here or on our website. So without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself, Jessica? Absolutely. Great to be here. My name is Jessica Barrett. I'm the Managing Director of Strategic Accounts at Pymetrics. Okay, great. And before we dive into the actual business and the work that you're doing there, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to this point? Yeah, absolutely. I started my career working in large organizations where I was able to get sort of firsthand exposure and experience in HR and saw a real opportunity to make the function more data-driven and objective in how decisions were being made. And from there, after a stint at Google and their people operations team, I joined Pymetrics as the fifth employee uh, when it was really just an idea at that point to really think about bringing objectivity and a data-driven process into how talent is identified for opportunities. Okay, so what does the business actually do? Just give us a bit more information about that. Sure, absolutely. So Pymetrics is a talent assessment and data platform that uses neuroscience and artificial intelligence to assess talent and basically match talent to opportunities. And we do this in a number of different ways. The core assessment that we use is a battery of neuroscience exercises that measure cognitive, social, and emotional traits in a very objective way. And through that battery of games, we can collect a lot of data to inform hiring decisions or internal mobility decisions as well. Um, that's sort of the core product. We also offer other types of game-based assessments that look at numerical and logical reasoning. And we're also rolling out some in, um, further sort of work streams in hiring for video interviewing, as well as some interesting tools and applications in internal mobility. So kind of work across the sort of end-to-end -end spectrum of a talent lifecycle um, using sort of these data-driven assessment methodologies throughout. Okay, so this is the piece um, post the attraction. It's yeah. about, um, it's not about engagement, although I guess there's a bit about keeping the candidate engaged, but it's more about that assessment piece, taking them through to the, uh, making the final decision. Exactly. Where our sort of sweet spot is, is really helping 
companies find signal in a lot of data. So you can imagine for a role where you are getting thousands of applications for a position, having a way to really whittle down that talent pool in a very objective and bias-free way is really valuable for recruiters. And so that's where we see a lot of the value out of our, our core product. In addition to being able to deal with high volumes really effectively, it's also about an ability to um, maybe de-risk untraditional talent pools. So if you have to reskill a population and think about what is other data that will help me make a decision when somebody might not have this skill set already, we can basically help inform that decision through the use of our uh, assessment. Okay, so that's a, that's for development of existing personnel for perhaps a uh, a new direction a company's taking or um, exactly. the need to. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, I got that. So um, you mentioned that um, the large scale recruitment is that your ideal client then a client who is. Um, hiring a lot of people, what, what type of role would they be recruiting then? So a very common role might be something into sales where, you know, previous background may not be fully indicative of somebody's ability to, to, to do that type of sale at that organization. So sales might be a common one uh, that we get used for or um, call centers as well, where somebody again may not have done that job previously and really being able to, look at other data as to what makes somebody good in this type of scenario is really valuable. Can you give me an example then of what sort of test or game you might use for a call center sales type role? I mean, is there, is there a specific yeah. few that you would, you'd recommend? So we would use the same set of exercises and the beauty in it is that on the back end is where we can sort of configure it and customize it for a specific role. So to give you an example, we have one of our core games that basically looks at attention to detail and impulsivity. It's very straightforward. Red and green circles appear on a screen and you're asked to hit the space bar when you see a red circle and do nothing when you see a green one. And what we learn from a game like that is actually for something like a role in sales, being a bit impulsive, maybe hitting the space bar when you weren't necessarily supposed to is actually a really strong predictor of uh, being good at sales because you are uh, kind of eager to move the ball forward. You're not as restrained in your behavior, which is different than maybe what an accountant would be. So this is, again, getting at the idea of we're not always looking at the right data around what makes somebody good at a job. You probably wouldn't walk into an interview and say, I'm impulsive. You should hire me for this sales role. But we actually are able to help uncover that well, a little bit of impulsivity is actually really good for sales. Okay. And so that's a test where you might think you failed by not correctly identifying when the thing's read, but... Exactly. Okay, cool. Exactly. So what is the neuroscience behind that? Yeah. How does that actually work? How have you brought that out? Have you? What's, what's the research you've done? Tell me a bit more about that. Absolutely. So our co-founder and CEO is a neuroscientist by background, and she spent over a decade in neuroscience using different types of exercises to measure people's traits. And in the scientific field, they had really advanced from using pen and paper, having these long sessions where you'd have to sit down with somebody and administer you know, their reactions to things 
where it had advanced to being able to do all of this in a digital way and capture sort of somebody's behavioral profile simply through using these online exercises. And so this is really um, an advancement that's been happening more broadly in science and academia. These are exercises that have been developed and validated in a global context outside of Pymetrics itself. And we have adapted these exercises and patented them for use in the talent space. So you will recognize some of our exercises. Uh, one's called the Tower of Hanoi. It's a very simple exercise that looks at how you plan and sequence information. So a lot of our core assessments were actually not made up by Pymetrics. Um, we have adapted them from well-validated research literature uh, previously. But, but also what you're offering the client is the knowledge of what they're looking for in the, the response as well. Exactly. So the way that that piece works is we build custom models for each organization and for each role. So if you had a sales role that you wanted to hire for, you would have existing strong performing salespeople in your organization go through the assessment and then we use machine learning to understand what are the traits that are most predictive. Um, and we are able to also do this in a way that we don't introduce any adverse impact, which is really exciting as well. So what's the adverse impact that you're talking of? Yep. So generally, when we think about adverse impact, we think about gender and ethnicity. And that's sort of the core of what we test for. We really use the regulatory framework in the United States as our sort of governing um, framework for how we think about adverse impact. Okay. So typically it's gender and ethnicity, that's what we um, always test for. We may also look at age, which we've seen no difference in age um, sort of test outcomes as well, which is great. We've also done a lot of research on even uh, disabilities like uh, ADHD or dyslexia, where we've also able to ensure that there's no um, disparate impact in how somebody would get recommended for a job. So one of the questions I had, um, which was given to me beforehand, was um, do you think that people of a certain age are more up for this gamification or in the, in the selection process? Yeah. So if you actually look at the research of the average age of a gamer, it's actually a lot higher than you might think. It's, it's, it's not 18, it's not 25, it's really more like 40 or 50 oh, years wow. old where you know people do um, do engage with game, you know, game apps and uh, online games. So you know, I think there's a little bit of a misconception around who likes online games and who might be able to sort of navigate them. It's actually a pretty broad demographic that um, you know that that enjoys games. I think whether it's somebody that is more experienced and advanced in their career or even a graduate it really comes down to the way that it's messaged and delivered. And that's consistent throughout. Um, you know, I think that everybody wants to understand what the process is that they're going through, what does it entail, what does it mean for them? And that's something that's important regardless of who your population is. So this kind of brings me on to another question I had. I mean, I guess that when, when you're um, hiring direct for yourself, you can really manage the way in which you communicate with the job seeker and you can explain to them why they're doing this assessment at this point in time. Yeah. But what about when you have a recruitment agency involved in the process? Is it, is it, does it still work? Is the tool used differently? What's your experience of that? Yep. 
We have definitely partnered with recruitment agencies as well as they, they are doing this work for their clients. You know, for us, it's all about just having that partnership with whoever our stakeholder is, whether that's the agency or a client itself. And we will really work hand in hand with whomever it is to make sure that they understand how to use Pymetrics, um, that they have the right communication and materials for their, their um, you know, re recruitment process and for their candidates, and that we are working with them all, all, all along the way to make sure that the process is working for them. So we aren't simply a uh, buy online, swipe your credit card, and nobody ever talks to you again. We are there as a um, partner with our uh, clients and their, you know, their partners to make sure that the process works, uh, no matter who is handling, who is handling it. Okay. All right. Cool. And you don't obviously don't just sell this in America or the UK. Is it being used differently in different globe to different global audiences? Are you finding a difference in culturally, or tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, so part of the beauty of the tool is that it really is applicable globally. The games are really nonverbal, so it's really uh, amazing in the way that it can scale. And we're able to gather data in this objective way without having to translate into languages and you know reinterpret what somebody's response might be because they used a different word. We don't really have to deal with that type of challenge. So we do see some of our clients using it in over 100 different countries. I think, again, it comes back to making sure that really we understand how a different, you know, how a recruitment process might be a little bit different in a different country. And does Pymetrics fall at a different point in the process in a different country? I think the core assessment is still very relevant. It's about tailoring where it fits in the process and what the communication is um, to different audiences depending on the region. Okay, cool. Well, that brings me on to my next question, which is about um, if an organization is thinking about implementing this into their organization, into their recruitment process, what are the most important things for them to consider um, and I guess yeah. prioritize when they first get in touch with you? Yeah, so I think the first thing is, and this I would say is, not just about Pymetrics, I would recommend this more broadly, is really think about the problem that you're trying to solve and make sure that you have the ability to evaluate a change in an outcome. I think a lot of times people get excited by a new technology and want to you know, bring it into their organization or use it with their clients without really sort of understanding what's the problem that I'm trying to solve and do I have the data available to me to evaluate the impact that this can have on my process. So I think that that's not sort of, it seems very obvious, but it's not necessarily sort of highlighted enough. So I would really start with that and making sure that um, you have the data to be able to evaluate the outcomes. In addition to that, I think the change management piece is really key, especially with a tool like Pymetrics, which is quite um, unique and non-traditional and new, you really have to think about, is our organization ready for change? And how do we make sure that people are open to change and are educated around what's happening and what's the direction that we're moving? So I definitely think investing the time and uh, planning upfront for the change management piece is really key 
because without that, it's hard for adoption of any type of innovative tool to get traction. Okay, cool. I like that. Um, you've got something on your website, which I've seen other organizations use the kind of like, I don't know, catchphrase, sales phrase, but, I, but you've got some good stats around this. I just wanted to ask you a bit about this. You've got on the site, hiring is hiring is broken or yeah and i noticed some of the figures and stuff you've got there's quite interesting do you want to just talk about that a bit because that's interesting yeah yeah so i think one really interesting way to think about it is in other areas of your life if something failed 30 to 50 percent of the time like if your uber took you to the wrong place 30 to 50 percent of the time you would not use it you would think it's a terrible product but in hiring about 30 to 50% of the time, somebody doesn't work out in a job, but we still think that's somehow the norm and just acceptable. So I think it's really interesting to think about it from that perspective, where if you compare it to the way things work in other parts of our lives, this would be completely unacceptable, um, but we just kind of have accepted it in hiring. So I do think that there's that piece around just the matching to the right role that really is broken. And you see this also in just macroeconomic sort of statistics these days where job openings are um, far greater than unemployment. And you would actually expect that to not be the case where, okay, if there are people seeking jobs, then they, they're, you know, then they are going to be able to be employed. But we have this matching issue there. And in addition to that, I think you know, from the candidate experience, at this point, you know, from the clients that we speak to, they don't even really look at online applications. The volume is just too high. And if you apply for a job online, it's unlikely that you'll actually be reviewed for it, which is quite ironic um, these days. And most recruiters are relying on uh, referrals or other processes for how they are going to uh, capture candidates. So I think that, you know, from the candidate perspective and trying, you know, applying to so many jobs and not getting a response to the hiring piece with people not working out in the role, it's really clear where there are issues in the current sort of ecosystem. Yeah, no. And obviously your, your product's tackling that, that the candidate knows exactly where they stand and you're improving the chances of getting the right person. Okay. And yep. Also on the site, I know and you touched on machine learning earlier, but you mentioned about using AI. Is that within the matching function or is that about assessing the people already in the organization? Just talk to me a bit about that because that's such a buzzword at the moment. Sure, yeah. So the way that that works is essentially it comes in with how we are matching people to the role. So when we have the existing pool of employees go through the assessment, we will evaluate what are the traits that are really predictive of somebody that's doing this job. And the way that we do that is using machine learning to basically classify people as being a fit or not. And part of the beauty in using machine learning is we're able to really better predict unseen data points. So when you use sort of algorithms, you're able to train on uh, different types of data sets, which basically allow you to have less sort of overfitting. So the likelihood that you can predict somebody else that you've never seen before uh, accurately is much, much higher with using machine learning. Right. Um, the same idea with um, using sort of Netflix, the idea that Netflix can recommend you a movie that you've never seen before 
um, is they're that much better at it because they have the ability to use the data that they already have on your viewing behavior and recommend something to you based on that. Okay, cool. That's a nice explanation. Um, I I think that you've touched on some of this already, but I always ask this question in terms of often what makes you unique? Why would people buy you over anybody else in the market? Yeah. So I think there we really think about it in four sort of buckets. One is the type of data that we're gathering. So we're quite unique in the way that we are using uh, much more objective data. It's not self-report data. We're not using resume data. We're getting a pretty um, unique set of objective data using these types of neuroscience exercises. And that allows for just better prediction as well as being less biased, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, The second piece is the customization of the platform. So the fact that we don't just say, here's a sales role, this is going to work for you. Well, sales is quite different at different companies. And we've actually seen that through our own research where we've looked at management consulting jobs at the same organization, and their trade profiles are actually uh, at different organizations, and their trade profiles are actually quite different even though the job itself is pretty similar. Okay. And so that customization allows for a much higher level of predictive fit. The third piece is the debiasing. So we actively debias our models. This happens when we build a model off of your population. We immediately check it for gender and ethnic bias using a testing database that we have. And so we can assure our clients before they even go live with the assessment that it has been tested and audited for for bias. We do that again on an annual basis. It's a big piece of sort of the rigor in the process. And then the fourth piece is really that candidate-centric piece. So you only have to go through the core assessment once when you um, sort of initially apply for a job, and that data will actually carry forward and be used for other applications that you submit. So the idea there is really being a common application and removing a lot of the duplicative effort that somebody has to go through when they apply for a job. Okay, cool. So if it was a um, a contractor who maybe was applying for short-term jobs, it only have to do the assessment once, and then every time you were speaking to that person again, you'd already have their assessment data ready. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Cool. All right, I've got um, a question from the sidebar, which is, um, are you finding um, that because the clients who are using the product are ultimately hiring candidates they may have previously rejected early in the hiring process. Did you actually see that? Yeah, absolutely. We are definitely seeing that. And we've seen it in a couple different ways. One that's been really interesting is we've seen our clients hiring people who have much different degrees and backgrounds, academic backgrounds than what they've previously seen. And you know, there is a lot of research and conversation right now around degree requirements and whether or not degrees are, you know, historically people have put them on a job description because they needed some way to filter people out of the process. But there's been a lot of research around that being actually counterproductive to finding the right people for a role. And, you know, oftentimes you could have somebody who doesn't have a degree who actually performs better in that role. So that's sort of the type of Um, outcomes that we're seeing where our clients are able to sort of remove those other types of filters and say, okay, we're going to hire people based on sort of 
their behavioral fit and we see, you know, a change in things like degree requirements. Okay. No, I really like that. And that's another way of, I mean, that's a type of bias, isn't it? Is wanting people from a certain type of university with a certain type of qualification. Absolutely. Yeah. And you see it even still today. I saw a job, job description the other day that said degree from a top school preferred. And I was a bit shocked to see in 2019 that the companies still openly admit that they have that sort of elite bias. That's very lazy, isn't it? Um, so cost and, um, I mean, I don't want you to give the prices, but how is this price? Is it a price per test? Is it price per month? How do you work this out? So we operate in sort of an annual subscription model where the client will um, sort of buy a package of assessments and models. And so it's basically priced on the volume of roles that you are using the test for, as well as the assessments itself. Okay. Cool. So it's an annual package you buy into, and then within that, you would, it would be the amount you're likely to use. Exactly. Okay, so you're not yep. paying. You'd have to worry that you had, you know, you, can we test exactly. it? I'm just going to turn the light back on in here. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're the second person I've done a show with who's got those lights which turn off. Now, it's great from an energy perspective, but not helpful in a, um online no. chat. No, but when you... Um, okay. Um, the, the, in terms of people getting a demo or finding out a bit more, what's the best? Well, do you do online demos? Do you? How, how does that work? Yeah, we have a way to contact us on our site that will put you in touch with someone from my team, and we will set up time to kind of talk through. Typically, we want to have an initial discussion about. You know, why did you reach out? What are the problems that you're trying to solve to make sure that this is sort of the right tool for you? And then from there, we give an online demo of the assessment and some of the output that we provide to clients as well. Okay, cool. Now, we've got a few more minutes. And I, I did know that you are doing um, some work to help um, opportunity youth find jobs. What's that about? Tell me about that. So we are working with the Rockefeller um, organized foundation in the United States around initiatives to help employ opportunity youth. So underserved populations that are really struggling to get into the workforce. And so it's really a three-way partnership between, um, you know, Rockefeller Foundation. We're doing this sort of with different organizations, as well as um, public companies like Hyatt Hotels to really work on identifying talent pools that are underserved and aren't typically um, sort of targeted for job opportunities and using our technology as a way to help guide those people into the right career paths. So we have worked with Hyatt to identify a number of different roles where they might hire this sort of level of um, you know, workforce and then we'll actually use the tool to help um, identify that talent pool to go into um, these different roles. Okay, I just found a press release on that. That is superb. So yeah. I did, I did that. Also, yeah, I would add also that it's very exciting um, as well and, and relevant in the veteran space. So for people who are um, leaving the military, who don't have that career guidance, we've worked with a number of veteran organizations to be a tool that can help guide people into the workforce. Yeah, I mean, that's the entire other side of this as well, is that the, the individual job seeker not knowing what to do next 
Um, yeah. Sometimes they are the very young people. Sometimes they're the veterans. Sometimes they're in their fifties, thinking, "Yeah, you know, my career is petering out. What what I used to do yeah. doesn't really exist in the same way." Anymore. Yeah, um, and that can be very yeah. challenging for them to determine what yeah. to do next. Cool. Yeah. Great. Right. Well, the other thing I spotted on your website was some absolutely fabulous um, press releases um, with some really, really um, powerful. Um, so the Financial Times, The Economist, The Wall Street Journal, New York Times. So it's worth people checking out what all those guys are saying about your fabulous tools. Um, so uh, we're, we're almost at time now. So, um, I mean, I think it's a fabulous product. Um, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't use it as part of their um, their process. It improves the process in terms of getting the right people. It improves the process in terms of um, the candidate engagement piece it makes these guys feel great they know where they stand um and absolutely improves your chances from as low as 30 percent of getting the right person which is just ridiculous uh, yeah so you know there's, there's no reason why anybody in the recruitment space wouldn't want to to get in touch with you i've shared a link to the website in the sidebar i'll put it on a, the blog as well um along with the link to your linkedin page so that people can connect with you and start a conversation there if they want to. So thank you so much for your time, Jessica. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, thank you, Louise. It's been completely different, but in the meantime, mm -hmm. get in touch with Jessica if you want to know more. Thank you very much. Thank you, Louise. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you want to hear more from UK Recruiter and Recruiter Zone, go to the blog section on our website ukrecruiter.co.uk